start recording. All right. Uh, I don't know what number bonus this is. So bonus number whatever. (laughs) (laughs) We're sorry it's been so long since the last time we put one out. Um, It's, uh, you know, the holidays came. We got busy. Before that, it's just, you know, we have three adults that um, all have jobs and um, Ian and I have kids and Chris has uh, like multiple jobs that so basically has kids. So it's, uh, <laughs> that's true. Yeah. He, he technically has more kids than us. <laughs> yeah. It's teaching. Yeah. Good point. Uh, so it's just, yeah. Trying to find time to do these bonuses is tough sometimes. And we, we schedule a few of them a few times. And then one of us, usually me would drop the ball saying, Oh no, can't do it tonight. Uh, Because it just wasn't a priority, but we need to make it more of a priority in the future. So, sorry, guys. In the future, you'll get more bonus episodes. We'll find a way. Uh, You guys are paying for it, so we'll get it together. And it goes without saying 2020 was 2020. And 2021 is, uh, yeah, a great start. So, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, she got it. (laughs) We all do that to ourselves. We're just not even going to go there, but you guys know. Y'all watch the news, so anyways. Is, it, is that the Letterman thing? That, yeah, got me gum? Yeah. It's, it's, getting, it's getting hot in here. It's getting hot in here. <laughs> uh, yeah, so 2021, yeah, interesting. Interesting times. The times we live. Um, so uh, we are going to do a review of The Great Hunt. Um, of course, now that we're halfway through The Dragon Reborn, uh, trying to like jog these guys' memories to go back and remember that book. But it's a great book. It's actually one of my favorite books in the series. A lot of people, it is their favorite book. But uh, we're just going to kind of go through. I'll let Ian and Chris kind of bounce off each other the entire time. And I'll, you know, ask questions if need be about certain things and what they thought about certain things. But just kind of talk about their favorite moments, their favorite characters. Maybe talk a little bit about character development. Like who would you like the most as far as who grew the most on you? Who, who kind of fell off and became less of a... A character for you. I mean, there's different things I guess you can talk about. What you guys kind of free for? Talk about whatever you want. So, whoever wants to start, go ahead. All right. So, I, I think we we have to start at the very beginning. Uh, the Dark Friend Social. Um, the great thing about this book is, so Eye of the World. It answered a lot of questions, but not all of them. Um, definitely left you wanting more. Uh, and you're thinking, okay, we're going to get into the second book. We've we got to get more things answered, right? We're going to figure out more. Nope. Jordan just like opens up more Pandora's boxes and so many more questions. And the world expands and it just gets more crazy. And right off the bat with the Dark Friend Social, uh, we talked about it all through this book about how organized the Dark Friends are and how organized Beazelman seems to be compared to you know, our, our friends of the light uh, or whatnot, so, or, or, or the good. Um, yeah, so that was that was pretty eye-opening right off the bat. But like, oh, we're, we're in for another big ride here. Mm-hmm. I can completely agree with that statement. And again, I, I made the statement, and I was being funny halfway, but not. Like, if we don't do this episode, this bonus episode, then book two is going to become irrelevant and i said it in the sense that like so much has already happened in book three that we're reading that book two is just kind of like a thought for a moment and then as i start to look back at notes and things i'm like so much happened 
even sort of in prologue, we find, we meet Boers and we meet um, oh man, I'm trying to think of the name of a couple of different characters. And there weren't many names. Just we we knew there was um, dark dark Aja or Black Aja yeah. in the room. We see that there's a um, different servants who are just there at the disposal of individuals who couldn't who could hear but then again couldn't hear a thing and there was yeah <laughs> yeah if you go back to that and reread it i mean maybe one day you guys would do a reread but like if you remember the certs all had dead eyes like doll eyes yeah, so, yeah. yeah. something to note <laughs> <laughs> So look, now we're going to do this as a bonus episode. We're supposed to be talking about it like, oh, yeah, we've read this. We know what we're talking about. Alan's just going to make like more questions and <laughs> complicate it even more. <laughs> You're like, well, I know you didn't get this the first time, but there's more. Oh, yes, there's more. <laughs> there's a tinker. There are high lords. There are eyes to die. There are so many different people. That are, are, are Shaniran. 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 Is that guy? Yeah. So you've got all of these dark friends meeting. It's like the great Lord of the Dark is my master, and my most hardly do I serve him to the last shred of my very soul. Like everybody's kind of chanting, and they realize that his day is coming. And it brings all these questions like, how are we going to get all of this information in this huge of a meeting in the very beginning of a book, of a second book? Of a series that is what fourteen books long, yeah. And how far is this one meeting really going to carry us? And we've already seen that there is so much into it, and there's an introduction of the thirteen um, forsaken, and mm-hmm. just so much information Everything. just in the first chapter that. Uh. <laughs> so I got to ask this again. Hopefully, you know off the top of your head, but Alan, you told us at some point that. Initially, Jordan was thinking about just doing uh, three books and that he'd yes. wrap it up. At what mm-hmm. point did he su- decide, nah, screw it. We're just going to we're just going to roll with this. So that's a big debate in the community. No one really knows. Um, but definitely by the end of book three, he did. But there's there's, a, you know, definitely by book three, he was going to write more. Okay. Um, but well, then- I think like even a book two, like there's just too much that he was sitting up and not answering yet that. Exactly. That's, so that's, that's the point yeah. I was going to make, and that's why I yeah. asked that question. And um, also, there's stuff in the first book and the second book that are foreshadowed all the way to the very last books. So obviously, there's no way he was going to wrap it up in three books. I, I think this, that's what the publisher wanted to do at first. And basically, basically, is yeah, no. <laughs> it's funny. I'm looking at like notes in my, my digital uh, margin and like we had the introduction of Biazamon speaking with his the individuals here, and mm-hmm. I have a note like Biazamon is not the dark one. It's like a conversation of like the brothers and sisters, and the conversation of the wheel of time will be broken soon, and soon the great serpent will die, and the power of that death, the death of time itself, your master will make the world in his own image for this age and for all ages to come. So it kind of made me think of Biazamon, not really the, the one in charge. Like, just going back to old notes, I still have mm-hmm. these same questions, and we're chapters into the next book. 
Pass through, I don't feel like we're any closer to answers. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, so so one thing I will tell you, this is kind of, it's not a spoiler, it's just kind of like, well, you guys are almost there. You guys are almost there. Uh, by halfway through book four, really, you uh, there, there's not much as far as you can spoil outside of what, like how all that the stuff beforehand works. So once you get to that point, like I can show you resources and some of that to really help you understand. Because you've, okay. you've gotten to the point where, you might not have picked everything together, but nothing else is going to be revealed that's really going to spoil you, if that makes sense. Like, good, good. That'll be, mm-hmm. that'll be helpful. <laughs> that would be cool. Yeah. There's some resources out there. You can watch some videos that are, technically are not spoilery, but because of the way we're doing things, they would be spoilery. They're not, they're not spoilery to the story, let's put it that way. But there's stuff that have not been revealed that have nothing to do with the story that just have to do with like, the history. Does that make sense? Like, so... so you know, I, we, when I first started this, I went back and forth and whether or not to let you guys, like, just give you guys those resources to give you guys the background. Because some people do because, it, you know, it, it helps you understand some of the concepts of everything going into the story. But I think it's fun the way we're doing it. <laughs> yeah, we, from the beginning, we're, we always said we like it raw. So, you know. Yeah. Sure. Well, and, that's the way and that's the way it's intended. Cause the people that read it for the first time before, you know, all of them were published and they're waiting for books to come out didn't know. So you guys are reading it like that. So in in the truest form. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that was, that was just one thing, the dark friend social. And, you know, we had the experience with the eye of the world where the, the prologue was just this weird, mystical, hard to understand. Doesn't make sense. Even at the end of eye of the world, it only parts of it maybe kind of make sense. So for the Dark Friends social to be kind of like mind-blowing, and but also doesn't make a ton of sense, it, it didn't throw me off too much. But then you get going in the actual story, and not that not that far into it, we run into the portal stones and the idea of these mirror worlds and all these different universes existing at the same time on different planes and all these different possible lives that they could have let. It just, it just, it got... It got out of hand very quickly. <laughs> I mean, and, and at the slow pace that we read and the way I know my brain works and listening to Chris, you start thinking about all the different possibilities and what ifs and what direction could we be going with this? And Jordan, that's why I was asking about when did he decide to go 15 books? Because in this book, he brought in concepts and possibilities that just really open up the floodgates. You know, I don't even know if he decided to go 15 books because when he passed, he passed away after writing book 11. Well, right, right, right. That was his last book he wrote. And then the last book was supposed to, I think, be book 12. Um, so, I mean, technically there's 14 books in the series. You say 15, there's, a, there's the prequel. So that's right. – Roger wrote that as well. So, but book 11 of the main series, he passed away after that. Then, book, then there's just one book left. But when Brandon Sanderson got the notes, he said there was no way that he could have written that. So he picked it up three. Uh, it would have just been this massive, like 3,000 page book. So he broke it up three books. Yeah. So maybe it was between 12 books originally, and then became 14, and, uh, but plus the prequel. And then also, the other thing is before he died, which we know we'll probably never get, is Robert Jordan also had notes that he had other side stories and other prequels. So. The prequel is supposed to be a, a trilogy as well. Um, New Spring, the, the, the prequel that we're going to eventually read. 
but um, because no the reception, yeah, because the reception on it wasn't as, as as popular as the main series until way late until after his death, and that's that got really popular. After, like kind of like a cult thing, he got really popular afterwards. Um, he never wrote. He had notes on it, but he never wrote the other two parts. So um, maybe we'll get it because there's notes. Brandon Sanderson said he will not write it. Uh, he did actually interview like a month ago where he said he's not gonna, he's not going to write it, but he's all for anybody else want to pick up and write it. So. Maybe some other author will come out and get the blessing of Harriet and write it at some point. But who knows? Maybe Go for it, Alan. Yeah, no, I'm not that good of a writer. Oh, uh, when the TV show comes out, that might that might be a catalyst too to get people that want to write. You know, um, sure. You think about like Star Wars things like that. You have multiple writers that have written to that, so it's yeah, you can do it. But, yeah. Well, I was sitting back thinking as we were talking, just like from the very beginning, we see that the like Rand, for instance, begins to learn how to control the void a little bit more just in the very beginning of the Great Hut, which I thought was pretty cool because he's already starting to learn from Lan. Yeah, they, I believe they were in Fardala, maybe. Fardala. I oh, can never say it right when I want to. Uh, uh, far, uh, uh, Fardara. Fardara, yeah. Yes. Fardara. Yes. So he was training and learning the void. He was learning the idea of emptiness and the, then finding the perfect emptiness and then allowing the flame to come and then that, that sense of stillness which we know that feeling of the void becomes even more vital as we go throughout this book so it was really cool to see that something like the very first chapter or second chapter of the book is important to the very last chapter and then it continues over to where we are now with Rand yeah sure Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Um, so as far as plot points as well in the story, you mentioned the portal stones, you mentioned uh, the uh, dark fence social. Um, so, you know, a couple other plot points that are kind of big, uh, just kind of refreshing you guys' memory. Um, obviously you get the Tom's back. That was big for you guys. That was huge. <laughs> That was well, and if y'all remember from the episode, like I almost got in a car accident when that happened. I mean, that's how big it was, not just because of the story, but within our own podcast. Uh, Chris and I were so adamant, and then there was at least one podcast where Alan almost seemed upset, going, Guys, just he's dead, let it go, okay? And I was like, In my mind, I didn't say anything, but I was like, Oh my gosh, I you know, it takes a lot to piss Alan off, so I'm like, Wait, he's actually getting mad, I guess. I guess we've beaten this horse dead. I should let it go. And then fast forward a little bit. Tom is alive. Alan's a dark friend. You asshole. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Of course, he didn't come back quite the way Chris wanted him to. But, you know. No, I wanted him to ride in on a stallion like Gandalf the White. And he came back as like a hustler. Which, eh, you know, one of the same. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Gandalf so, was a bit of a hustler. He was. Yeah. He was always going around playing games with everybody's feelings and and uh, putting everybody's lives at, at odds. So no, think about yeah, it. When he showed when he showed up to the Shire, and like he sat down first before he starts talking about cool adventures, he gets everybody high as all oh. get out, passing <laughs> the pipe around, drinking some drink, and when everybody's feeling good, he's like. Hey, y'all want to go on an adventure? <laughs> like, uh, what? Yeah. Yeah. 
And we have the ambulance seat make our first big appearance. Mm-hmm. There's so yep. much that happened, in, even in the first few chapters of this book. But um, right, and Sawan trains Nynaeve and uh, throws against the wall in the boat. If you remember that, um, during the little training while they're traveling to Tarbon. Yeah, so that that was the beginning of my newfound love for Nynaeve. Um, yeah. Not that she got thrown around like that, but once she makes this transition and she even realizes that once she sees something done once, she can figure it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, towards the end of this book and then the next book, you start to see like her put that into play. Like she sees something and bam, then she can do it and do it better. And right. the potential that I see in her is just going through the roof. So really starting to love her. And, and it all started right there. And I think. The Amberlynn sees it too. You know, she she pushed her on purpose and she she was the first one to make note and be like, interesting. You know, you mm-hmm. you did that right after you saw me do it. Hmm. Alrighty. Yeah. Note yeah. taken. Well, great, great, because you just mentioned that the Amberlynn, you know, being introduced. Some other characters that were introduced or at least expanded upon um, and the, really had a shining role in this book. In this book. I kind of want to go through these four of them. One was so on uh, the ambulance seat, but the other ones are uh, Ingtar. Even though he's mentioned in the first book, he doesn't really play a role to this book, and he plays a major role throughout this book, and only this book. But yeah. uh, but of course, uh, you know, Ingtar is one. Um, talk about him for a bit. Also, Varen um, was introduced, um, who's obviously becoming uh, more and more of a, if not a secondary character, a tertiary character. Um, that's, I love, then, I love know, that word. Tertiary, uh, yeah. and then I use it as often as I can. And then Celine uh, is the is the uh, fourth one. So you have the Amberlin, Antar, Varen, Celine are kind of the four main-ish characters. Uh, you know, more major characters. You get a bunch of, of other smaller characters introduced as well, but those are your yeah. big ones. Yeah. That's a little bit of the danger of us waiting to get a few chapters in this next book before we do this synopsis. I, I will answer honestly, and when Celine came up, I – and I don't use this word often, but I hated her. That's a strong word coming from me. It was just danger written all over her, and probably like every other character I ever run into, you know, that, that in real time now where we're at reading, it's kind of starting to change. But no, in this book, she was – she just had danger written all over her. <laughs> sketch, super sketch. Sure. I think Ingtar was a was quite impressive because I think one of the major interactions we have with him was him facing down a um oh man what was he fighting it wasn't not a trollic but a fade yeah that's what it was he was like quite literally facing down a fade because Rand had stepped up to fight one and he's like you know give a trollic or two a try before you step up to one of these so. Yeah, I quite distinctly remember him going through that particular process, and of course, he also had the the duty of helping to find the the Great Horn. So, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I still don't know how I feel about Ingtar ultimately. You know, because yeah. it it is in this book that we we find out mm-hmm. that yeah, yeah yeah that's right at this book we find out that yeah. he was one of the betrayers and all that jazz. And so you want to be mad at him for that. But then in the flicker flicker moment, 
when he comes out of it, he seems to be more distraught than, than anybody else initially. Like it took him a while to kind of get his bearings and, you know, be that stoic disciplined guy again. It's like, he looked at all those different possible versions of his life and, and all the different little decisions he made and being able to see it. I, I think he saw the culmination of it was in just like maybe at heart, he always meant to be good, but in the decisions that he made, you know, time and time again, it added up to being a pretty shitty dude. <laughs> you yeah. know, he did mention that that when he when they went through that, every single one he was a dark friend. Every single one, yeah, like, he, never, he never was good in any yep. one of them. So, like, it just, <laughs> but it's weird. He didn't he didn't like find that out, and he wasn't like comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and even oh, in the yeah. end, I feel like he really regretted what he did. He went out swinging for the team. So, gosh, I mm-hmm. I'm torn with him. I think that was the yeah. other realization that he had was that the only way that he was going to get any form of redemption was to sacrifice himself. Yeah. Like, I don't know how many times, but it would be nice to have a side story about all the flicker moments that somebody like Ingtar went through and how many times he sacrificed himself to make amends for what he did. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. yeah never know. But, um, also, we got introduced to a couple of new groups of people as well. The Shan Shan, uh, we got introduced to them. And the other group that we got briefly introduced to was the Illuminators, Firework people. And we didn't really get to learn much about them besides yeah. the yeah. I forgot they, about them. Yeah, so we did. We completely forgot about them. So. Yeah. <laughs> but that's the way they want it. They don't want you to remember them. Like, uh, they they want you to remember their boom boom sticks. But outside of that, you're not supposed to know about their culture. Their society, they're, you know, nothing. They keep to themselves. That's true. Until book seven, when they come out as being like the new group of heroes that we need to pay close attention to. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Uh, exactly. Or maybe we, we use them as a diversion. Like they create a firework that when it goes off, it looks like Rand in the sky fighting Ballsy. But actually, <laughs> Rand is like running off in the other direction. Could be the case. I mean, we we do see them being a huge distraction during this book as their whole like store stock load gets blown up, like <laughs> or sure. blazes get set. And then, of course, you who did you just mention? Good grief, my mind went that quick. The eliminators, the Shan Shan. Yeah, the Shan Shan. Yeah. Uh, see, now that's the group that I really want to discuss is because the Shan Shan they captured Gwen. Right. And they made Egwene the woman she is becoming, which is ferocious. Like, their ability to manipulate women who can tap into the one power is quite interesting. And what they do with them is sad, but mm-hmm. it just shows what people, the links people go to to achieve real power and control. So. Right. And, you know we first meet Egwene and she's this sweet, maybe strong minded, but innocent at the same time. And, you know, good character, good upbringing, all that jazz. So you're like, okay, no matter what happens throughout the series, she's going to be that type of person. Always means well, always tries to do the right thing. But early on now in book two, she goes through this crazy trauma and I don't know if I'm going to word this properly without it sounding insensitive. I don't know. But when you go through trauma like what she went through, there's there's no guarantee anymore of like what type of 
not what type of person, maybe uh, it affects the way you make decisions moving forward. You know, mm-hmm. someone who doesn't deal with their trauma well, they're in a constant state of fight or flight. Um, they're in survival mode. You know, their decisions become a little bit more selfish because they're so fearful of ending up in that situation again. If that makes any sense. Right. Um, yeah. So this is definitely going to influence the way she reacts to conflict, the way she reacts to problems um, moving forward. And, and we've seen it in, in some places. So this was a, it was a huge twist for Egwene's character. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it was. And that, that's the, the main, I guess, thing that happens to Egwene in the books. I mean, Nynaeve, of course, you get her saving them, but also you get with her, you get her testing and a bunch of other stuff as well. So because she gets raised to accepted uh, before all that. Yeah. Oh, with the Sean Chan, though, we did get a huge bonus. Uh, Rand got to dice up a Blade Master. Yeah. That was awesome. That was probably the best battle. And it also question, makes you question because that Blade Master was supposed to be an, an actual true Blade Master and he was defeated by Rand. So it really begs the question was he a, a lesser Blade Master? Um, what does that really mean? And has Rand really achieved the status of Blade Master now? Because, you know, in order to do it, you have to defeat one. But of course, it has to be like in the presence of others. So, sure. yeah. And do all Blade Masters channel? Yep, that was the other question. You know, if they do, then that gives a little bit more credit to Rand. But if they don't, then did Rand cheat a little bit? Yes. But it, it, it also could be the thing that Loyal, what's it, what's it called? Uh, uh, Tavirin. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's the point you're trying to make, but you're talking oh, about that's, 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 that's where we come up with the, the idea that the swords themselves could be tying Grial. Oh yeah, yeah, and help with the channeling and yeah, exactly. our, our yeah, I mean, because we they're definitely in, uh, skipping ahead a little bit, but definitely in the Dragon Reborn. You know, we learned about other swords and art swords and things like that. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, um, so I'm trying to think of uh, so as far as any other major moments or anything else that you guys could think of. I mean, of course, there's the lot the very end. So a lot of stuff happens at the very end. You have. Uh, the White Cloaks, the Shanchan, and our group all meeting at once. And shit goes down. <laughs> I mean, uh, we have Rand in the sky. Yeah. <laughs> After Rand the horn was blown by Matt. <laughs> we got Matt blowing the horn. We like just, mm-hmm. all right, okay, I'm going to blow the horn. It is what it is. We'll see what happens. Like he wasn't yeah. like, oh yes, I am the one. I get to blow the horn. No, no, no. He was just like, eh, let's see what happens. Burr. I mean, they're at a point they got to do something. Everybody's semi freaking out. Like, what are we gonna do? And Matt's just like, it, I'm paraphrasing. I don't have the line in front of me, but he's like, look, look, look. Of course, the horn has to be there at the end for the last battle, right? Yeah, we get that. Everybody knows that. They didn't say. You couldn't use it before then also. And it's like everybody stops and goes, Jesus, that is solid logic. (laughs) You know what? Blow that shit, dude. Just go for it. The fact that solid solid, solid logic came from Matt was really surprising. 
I think that's the mm-hmm. first insight we got into Matt's like mind. Though we didn't even get like his point of view, we still got that insight where it was like maybe there's a little bit more than Matt that we realize, or maybe he just doesn't give a f. Yeah, I mean, at the time we all—I I know me at the time—I was like, "Yeah, wild card. He just doesn't care. He'll do whatever crazy thing." But um, yeah, like you said, it, it was probably the the first time Jordan was introducing us to the possibility that Matt's not a total dum dum. He can do the math and look at things from all sides and make that kind of decision. But anyways, it was it was still funny. It was cool to see. It was. Yeah. Yeah. So as far as like character development throughout the books, I mean, obviously we have our three from the Evans field and we talk about each one of them. Uh, we already talked about kind of Egwene and Ynieve, um, their development. And then Moraine's not really in this book much at all. I mean, she's in the very beginning and there's that one chapter where she's like, Ooh, I found some prophecy. And then a drag car tries to attack her. And that's it. That's all we get from Moraine. Um, <laughs> until yeah, the, it shows at the very, very end after the battle, like, Hey, I'm here. I'm back. Very anticlimactic for her. Yeah, Moraine's not really in this book much. But um, but Rand, Matt, and Perrin all are. So let's talk a little bit about their development and thoughts. So when you look at the beginning of the book, Rand is just learning how to use a sword, but he's wrestling with the idea that he can even channel. He doesn't believe he's actually the Dragon Reborn. Uh, He just thinks he's a guy that's going to go crazy, and he's trying to get away and run away from his friends. But he's still bound to try to help Matt, because once the dagger's taken, he realizes Matt's going to die without it. So that kind of is the catalyst throughout this entire book. But then he gets thrown into a ton of different stuff, whether it's going to Days to Mar and, and Portal Stones at the very end. So there's lots of stuff that Rand goes through in the Portal Stones. So let's talk about Rand's growth. What do you guys think about it? Did you enjoy it? Uh, well, we know where it leads to. <laughs> So that's, that kind of makes it like all sad day, but yeah. at the same token, I I did enjoy his growth. Like it was cool to see him. Actually, <laughs> uh, Wait a minute, sorry, I meant to say that's what she said, but I started laughing before I got it out. <laughs> just, that's some like nerdy libra- librarian chick. Just so matter of fact, ladies. Well, to be honest, I really enjoyed his crew. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. I like, the way, I like the way he sees This would not be one of our episodes one message she said. Oh, man. No, I, I couldn't. I, I would say I tried, but I didn't even try. You really, you really I was did. waiting for my opportunity. <laughs> That's what she said. Exactly. There you go. All right. Anyway, cool. taking a step back. Um, it was really cool to see Rand go through this development of, I mean, he still had the, the entire book to finally come from, I'm a farm boy to I'm the dragon reborn. So let's not glaze over the fact that first off, he finally comes to and claims the title of the dragon reborn after fighting it for an entire like 700 page book. Mm-hmm. Finally, like last two pages, he's like, "All right, guys, I'll take up the mantle." But prior to that, you see him going, "Okay, I'm farm boy. I'm a farm boy with a sword, so I need to learn how to use the sword." All right, I'm learning how to use the sword from a warder, so I've got to be a badass swordsman. I've got this sword that like 
has high significance. I better know how to use it. And at the same time, I'm learning the void. I'm learning how to manipulate the stillness of the void. I'm learning how to channel my own anger and frustrations and fears and doubt and to do away with it and harness the power that is within myself. And then that becomes, wait, I'm actually tapping into a power that I probably shouldn't be tapping into because it's going to drive me crazy. And then we get to the final battle after he defeats an actual blade master. And he realizes that the only way to do that was to tap into the void and go along the edge of the power and kind of feed off of it a little bit and then use it. Then he gets to the big battle and he's like full on like monster in the sky action. And then he's, he, he he makes claim to his birthright, which we also come to the conclusion, not necessarily given to us, but he is part Ioman, because we do have the introduction of Ioman, women, mm-hmm. men. Um, but all of this kind of helps to really craft Ren to a much greater character before we get to where he is in our current reading, which is start mad, so... For those that are listening, hopefully, along. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so this this is great. So even we're weeks weeks after we finish this book, and in my mind, I'm like, all right, I've been there, done that. We already know this, and then I'm sitting here listening to you again, Chris, and you make me consider things very differently. I get stuck in analyzing Ran and just the the little decisions he makes along the way, his internal monologues as he's deciding this stuff. And throughout this book, I'm thinking you whiny little punk, like why you're fighting everything. Your, your motivations are for all the wrong reasons. So I'm, I guess I'm just judging him very negatively as he goes through this, but I never took the moment to stop and look at big picture, the progression he made along the way. So even though he did, I don't know, some of his his reasoning, some of his motivations for doing things might have frustrated me along the way. You're absolutely right. He he eventually, for better or worse, would step up to the plate and continue making this transition and continue improving and continue working on himself. Uh yeah. Yeah. I didn't I didn't think about it like that. Maybe I was a little too hard on him. Yeah. Yeah. And then we have our, our we have our next guy Matt, who just got more daggery, uh, more and more daggery throughout the books, and then finally blew the horn. Um, but he doesn't, like I said, we we still never get a point of view of Matt, through, at least in this book. So we don't really get inside Matt's head at all. But he's just the daggers affecting him more and more. He's definitely being an asshole towards Rand most of the book. Yeah, like, are there, are there um, like the horn blowing? Like he didn't really do too much in this book. When when Rand went and got lost in the stone portal world, uh, Matt wasn't with him that time. Yeah. Um, Matt played his servant when uh, begrudgingly when they went to the the party. Yeah, the party. but that wasn't. I'm I'm trying to think of yeah. like big, like significant. Yeah. That's the horn blowing. It's really. Yeah, that's about it. Yeah, and then Perrin, um, just besides when when Heron goes to the. The, the, the portal stone where he uses the wolves to help track. So that's his main. He's just based begrudgingly also about his wolf powers. <clears throat> that, and yeah. Doesn't, yeah. 
kind of did skip over Matt the entire this entire conversation. Like Matt yeah. definitely had to come into himself a little bit. Um, okay. You know, I just. I'm having a hard time even remembering Matt throughout the book, though. Is that bad? Yeah, well, no. Matt's, Matt's not in the book much. That's like I said, he blows the whole yeah. in. But uh, uh, the rest of the book, he's just kind of, he's there, but he's not, there's no point of views. No big he's just kind of, other than the horn blowing. And just kind of an asshole around the entire time. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> if they need somebody to, like, guest play Matt during this part of the story on the Amazon show, I'll do it. I could be like not really there, a bit of an asshole, kind of in the background, bitch about having to serve you, and then be like, you know what? Fucking I'm blowing the horn. I could totally <laughs> I could totally do that. Convincingly. Yeah. yeah. Sign me up. And then and then we have Perrin. That's our, our last and he did have some more story time. But once again, not a whole lot. It's this was definitely the ranch show. When when you look at the, the point of views, like I think it's over half the book was about Rand. And the, uh, so 53% was about Rand. And then the next two biggest characters were going and naive. So, I mean, like Perrin, like you see him tapping into his wolfish features a little bit more. Like he's smelling him and her and are sitting there being bloodhounds and smelling stuff out and, you know, understanding there's violence in the area. And he, just using his eyes to see what was going on, but really he was just there as like an added character. Mm-hmm. Didn't really do much. Yeah. Not, yeah. not really this yeah. much. Uh, I know we, uh, if I think back, um, we were both intrigued into all the things that might happen with uh, Perrin's newfound ability and what it might lead to but there weren't a whole lot of answers given in this book. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know I had frustrations with all of the boys in general, not talking more openly to each other about what's going on. And I, and I've sure. been judged for that because we have to remember their age and everything, but I still go back to them being like close friends from back in the town. And um, I, I think Perrin was, a. I think Perrin became more and more of a turd by not, uh, admitting what he was going through because that could have been helpful for both Matt and Rain. Well, yeah, like a quarter they way were the also book, going through their shit, but he kept yeah. his to himself. A quarter of the way of the book is kind of when they Matt and Perrin both find out that he's potential dragon. Yeah, and Matt's going on and on and on, and Perrin's just like, "Shut up! It is what it is," and they just kind of skulk off. Yeah. Two cases we ran into another group of people. We were not introduced to these people. Well, we got to actually see them for the first time, I think, in this book. Um, we're the Aiel as well. So one time our group with Inktar and Perrin and Matt ran into one Aiel guy that was kind of just wandering around and they had a little talk. And then the other time was with the maidens at the Ogier group uh, where, they, where they went to the steading with the Ogier where they were trying to before they did the flicker flicker when they were trying to find, use the ways. <laughs> the old um, flicker, huh? <laughs> old flicker flicker. But they ran to the, the maidens there. So we, we at least get a glimpse at the Aiel. Because, uh, you know, it's talked about a whole lot throughout these books. But we never, uh, you know, we get these little snippets from them. 
but we're still learning about that culture. Oh man. I wish I had it in front of me. The IEL man that they ran into. Mm-hmm. And he gave some line to the effect of like, well, I didn't really come here to fight, but if you want to dance and then like gave him mm-hmm. the, like the nudge in the wink. Yeah. <laughs> oh. I almost need to go find it. And what's that, crazy is it was him, one guy. And who else was there? The the Shinarans were there, right? And Varen. Varen was there. Varen. So there was an Aes Sedai, all these badass warriors. And he didn't just say it like, I'm willing to die for my cause. The way he was talking, he was like, if you want to fight, we'll fight, and I'm going to whoop your ass. Like he said it confidently. (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, Um, you had people like Intar who fought Aiel like during battles, but then he talks about them with such reverence. I remember one of the quotes that uh, underlined it says, they heard cattle and goat where you and I would die of thirst uh, before the day was done. Mm-hmm. Like that just goes to show how badass they are. Right. Yeah. And please don't call me out for being sexist or whatever. It's just, I'm going to say this and y'all clean it up if I make it sound horrible. But <laughs> in, in the steading, even when it's the women, the female Iomen, when mm-hmm. when they take an aggressive posture, the other party is like, holy shit, we're going to die. Yep. You know, like, so it's not just the man warrior, it's the Io women and their ability to fight and how lethal they could be. It's known and respected and everybody's just, yeah. Yeah. And, and we learned that they're called, the women are called Fars Demai, which is old tongue for maidens of the spear. Um <laughs> So that's. Really I would have to fight with some chick that comes from a long line of other chicks called Maidens of the Spear. Like, <laughs> what, what, yeah, I would not do that. Mm-hmm. We learn, like I said, we learn a little about their culture. We learn that when they're veiled, when they put their their veil mm-hmm. up, that means they're going to kill, and they only kill when veiled. Um, so the veil's up, and usually once they're veiled, we learn that that you're that's a death sentence. Like they're not they're not stopping till yeah. you're dead. Um, it's about yeah. to go down. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, so that's. Um, no, I, I think um, all all of those little tidbits are cool. Uh, I think when we start getting introduced to these new cultures, even Aiel, what I was more interested in was the little hints at their prophecy and how it was either different or like filled in the gaps or maybe even contradicted at times what we thought mm-hmm. we knew from the prophecy that was already revealed to us. And we, and we had this discussion about how not only do we have, well, I mean the way the whole story is told it's, you know, we have the unreliable narrator thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but even within this world, we have different cultures that have broken off and gone different ways for, such a long period of time they've been separated from one another and they pass down their own stories and they change over time and we start off at least i do as the reader i I start off with the assumption that the the rules of this game the rules of this book that are being told to us those are the ones we've got to follow the whole time but right about that point meeting these aiel we learn okay even the rules we learned in the beginning aren't necessarily accurate they've been diluted and there's other rules 
that other cultures have preserved that might contradict it. And it, it just starts, I don't know, kind of blowing your mind. Like everything you think, you know, you might be wrong uh, mm-hmm. or there might be more to it or another twist or another turns or another layers to it. So, mm-hmm. you know. yeah. I mean, it's, it's cool that the Aiel are fantastic warriors, but that wasn't the big takeaway I got from them. It was, oh my gosh, there's so much more to this story that we don't even yeah. Well, yeah. Well, in, in this one, we didn't, like I said, um, considering that there's thousands and thousands of named characters and we only got introduced to like maybe four or five new names, you, you'll get to know a lot more <laughs> cultures. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, it gets it gets to the point where it gets a little ridiculous. But the thing is, it really does center around the, the core group. So, I mean, there's all these other people that come along. But yeah, yeah. It, it's a, it doesn't get too confusing, yeah. except for maybe a few chapters in like the middle of the series. But anyway, um, yeah. So, any final thoughts? I mean, I think it pretty much wraps up the entire book. Covered pretty well, I, I think so at least. Yeah. Are we? Are, are we? Are we interested in throwing in a a personal story that's not what related as like a Before bonus at the end of the that, bonus? Uh, we didn't talk anything about who came when the horn was rang. Oh yeah, we didn't talk about that. That's true. Okay. We can talk about that. Was it? First of all, I did because Matt. Wow. Just kidding, <laughs> Alan. Alan, edit that out, please. Oh, no, 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 that's for patrons. That's <laughs> no, That's kind of good. You got to take that out. Um, so yeah, so we had Alter Hawkwing, who's leading the charge. Um, uh, Brigitte Silverbell. Uh, was one of them. Uh, the one that like rode across the water towards men uh-huh. or something. I think. Oh, no, no. They shoot. Did they shoot across the water on a horse and then shot a flaming arrow at like the Chantan that were leaving or whatever? Mm-hmm. Like men saw it. Yeah, yeah, men saw it. That's awesome. That was probably the coolest part. Uh, Rogosh Eagle Eye, I think, is another one. Right. Um, there's. Um, yeah, but there's there's a bunch of bunch of them. Yeah. I just think like that. That whole battle scene was just epic in my mind. I can see so much chaos and so much things happening so quickly, and then all of a sudden, just the end. Yeah. I'm still lost <laughs> about who was controlling what. I know we're made to think, I guess, that, you know, Rand was in charge of the flow of the battle. And as he was winning against Ballsy, then so were. Also, these Shunners, yeah. yeah, Age of Legends folks winning against the. But then, if that's the case, what's the point of even blowing the horn if you know if ultimately the battle's to be won by uh, by, Rand. by Rand against whomever? So mm-hmm. I don't know. That that was still a little, yeah, a little weird for me, and how it played out. And all I'll say is, if you liked that battle, you thought that battle was epic. Oh, just you wait. <laughs> <laughs> Just you wait. Uh, it gets super epic. Um, like, I think the Great Hunt battle is not even listed in the top ten battles in the series. Really? <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, it was, I mean, it's, it was it's pretty short. short. Yeah, it was pretty short and yeah. wasn't really descriptive in like the battle scene itself. So I, I could see that. But as new readers and what we've experienced so far, it's a big deal up until this point. I mean, just to put it in context, this doesn't give away anything because we've hinted to this before. In the final book, A Mary of Light, 
the, the, the their one chapter that's the longest chapter of the book. It's longer than the first book of the Harry Potter, Potter series. It's it's actually that one chapter. That's that's the name of that chapter is the last battle, and it's a, a, a battle that takes place as long as the entire book of Harry Potter. <laughs> you want to talk about epic? It's all battle, like, like for an entire book. Like it's just. I- Action, 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 like uh, just nonstop to the point and, – and and I would say to the point where like you're like annoyed by it, but no, not even – like you're at the edge of your seat the entire time. It's just – it's insane. Um, but yeah, anyway. So yeah, we, we'll, we'll get there eventually. <laughs> yeah. There, there also are, are really good battles coming up too, so we're, we're getting close to some, some good ones. Nice. Spoiler! Oh, he just spoiled us a little bit, Chris. <laughs> I didn't tell you even what book. Uh, it might be this book. But, uh, yeah, but I thought we were about to get to the point where everybody just gets along and no more fighting. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Well, that no, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's definitely not happening. Huh? <laughs> so yeah. Um, say anything else? I mean, before Ian tells his personal story, which I think would be awesome for a bonus. So uh, we just keep it in the same bonus. Mm-hmm. So. so. Anything else, Chris? Nope, I'm good. All right, you take it away. What do you got for us? Uh, it's it's short and not sweet. It's kind of like a public service announcement uh, for guys and girls. You can all get a takeaway from this who are dabbling in the online dating world. Um, I know you people might listen to this bonus episode out of order from other things we've been doing, and that's fine. Uh, but because of COVID and all that jazz, I decided, you know what? If I'm going to meet somebody, let me do online dating. Um, and to date, I've only I've talked to a bazillion people, only gone on one date. But there's been a lot of craziness that's come out. Now I'm not going to throw all these people's business out there, except for one thing that I t- it totally caught me off guard. I'm I'm talking to this um, this one girl, and it's the conversation's going great. Um, you know, education-wise, we kind of seem to be on the same level. We get the same humor, jokes, this, that, and the other. Very playful, nice, back and forth, and whatnot. But it's weird, like, I don't know, for a couple days in a row, every now and then in the conversation, she drops a line that just doesn't make sense to me. And one of them involved the word kink, but not kinky, just kink. And then another at another time, she was talking about how she used to really be into playing with ropes. And I guess, you know, there's a lot of equestrians around here. I thought maybe she meant like ropes, like, you know, go rope up a cattle or something and, you know, bring it in. No, so finally I asked, and she did like the smack my head emoji. Um, turns out, and she sent me some pictures to verify that this is what she was talking about. Turns out she's into... That um, you need a really good safe word. Uh, oh, tie, dominatrix. Tie him up, <laughs> dominatrix sort of thing. And so, like, we kind of laugh about it after the fact. She's like, no, I was feeling you out. I thought you knew what I was talking about. And I was waiting for you to, like, take over as the dominant or something. I, I don't know. I'm just being innocent Ian here. Like, well, that sounds like a fun hobby. I mean, if it brings you joy, you should do it more often. <laughs> you know? I think that was the line where she finally sent me a picture, and I was like, well, fuck, I did not know that's what you were talking about. Um, that's, that's wonderful. Um, never dabbled in that myself. But yeah, if somebody if somebody is throwing stuff out there about roping or having a uh, 
the favorite pastime of playing with ropes, something like that. I guess I was supposed to pick up on on those keywords, but I did not. Yeah. Yeah. So she, she didn't the pegging, did she? <laughs> no, she's messaging me, so I think she's trying to talk me into it. And I, I haven't mm. said no, but I just I don't yeah. think I don't think that's me. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's not for everyone. But it, I couldn't do it without dying laughing at some point. Like it, <laughs> it seems so. Are we really doing this? This is stupid. Because I know she's not listening. My ex was wanting something very similar, and I was like, I, "I've never laid my hand on you." No, that would. Not, I just. I, I just. I can't. Admit, like I can't do it. And then you want me to do it. And, and, and like enjoy it or make it enjoyable for you or I was like how are you gonna enjoy this? How am I supposed to enjoy this? This just doesn't no, it doesn't doesn't work I would, for me. I would keep checking in. I'd I'd spank her and then I'd go, Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry, are you okay? And she'd be like <laughs> and then she would go, No, <laughs> and then I'd be like, Okay, are you sure? And, you know, what's that's not fun. I don't know. I withdraw and be like, okay, are we done? No, I, nope. I mean, there's yeah. so many other things I could do to make you happy. And I'll tell you what, I'm sure shit not going to be the one tied up. Not going to happen. <laughs> not my, today. my safe word is going to be, get your goddamn hands off me. <laughs> and I'm going to say it right off the bat. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah, Classic uh, yeah, yeah. So, um, we'll see how it goes, but I, I, th- I think she's still trying to, um, you know, reel me yeah. into that lifestyle. I don't know, there you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's a lifestyle. You know, you have to say, try everything twice, right? Exactly. The first time might not have been, I, you know, I've actually, I actually thought that as she was talking to me, I was like, I was like, who am I? to just cast shade on these people. I mean, there's a, and it's not like there's just one or two people. There's a lot of people out there that find joy in doing this. So maybe I'm the one missing out. (laughs) Maybe. I don't know. We'll see. (laughs) We'll see. Let let us all know. Next bonus episode, you'll get to hear uh, all about (laughs) uh, (laughs) the end. The first time I went broken. First time I went broken. Yeah, there you go. This could be a new podcast series. Ian goes broken. Uh. She keeps insisting that the safe words have to come from a Slavic language, and oh, I just—I'll never be able to pronounce those. I—I I don't know. Yeah, all those oh, consonants. Yeah, <laughs> That works perfectly. Somebody else's pain. There's no English word for it, but it's perfectly for what we're talking about. Oh boy. Yeah. Yep. So anyhow. My little anyway. public service announcement. You know, careful. There you go. Be careful. Be careful out there on those dating sites. You never know what you're gonna get. So anyway, well that's gonna be it for the bonus episode for uh this month-ish. Um like I said, we're gonna try to do better about sending them out. Uh hopefully get back on some kind of routine. But uh for right now, that's it for now. Uh maybe next month in February we can do another one. Um we'll, we'll maybe, maybe we'll actually get organized. What? No. That would be crazy. No. You, no. you should no. put a poll out there and see what the top three are and see how long it would take to do them and then we'll go based on that 
top three uh, uh, ideas for like topics. Yeah. Okay. Okay, I can do that. Yeah. Because yeah, if it's something simple, I tell us a story. Yeah, we could each come on and do a ten minute story. Yeah, I mean, you, yeah. You can make, we can make our own too. Like you just be like. Uh, but I was going so just Chris or but so just eat. like you guys can record one and just send yeah. it to me and just load it up. Like it doesn't have to be like all together. Um, I'm going to sing for 10 minutes on a Zencaster and then send it to you. Go for it. Three, <laughs> three, weeks from, three weeks from now, I just send you a video of like me tied up and this girl <laughs> laughing on the camera. <laughs> I would say for that. <laughs> Wheel of Time oh. only fans. <laughs> the wheel reads the at only fans. Only fans. Yeah. Uh. Fans yeah. Only fans. All right. Sounds good. Well, I guess that's it for uh, for the bonus episode. So I don't know how you guys want to sign off for this, but as we always so. do. All right. Uh, until next time. Peace. All right.